0: On this episode of AW360, we speak with Jay Prasad, CEO of ReloMetrics, the leading sports sponsorship intelligence platform. Jay discusses his background, how sports media has evolved over the past few years, and the need for greater innovation in sports sponsorship measurement. I hope you enjoy this episode. Jay, welcome to AW360 Podcast. I'm so pleased to have you on today. It's great to be here. So tell me a little bit about ReloMetrics.
1: ReloMetrics is a company that is really helping drive innovation in the sports marketing measurement space. Specifically right now our focus is on sponsorship measurement. The company was originally started within GumGum and it was called GumGum Sports and it was spun off and rebranded as ReloMetrics in 2021.
0: And so you know, everybody loves sports, presumably. I love sports, so this is going to be a great conversation. Tell me a little bit more about how the company helps sponsors and rights holders in the sports industry. That seems like a really complicated, hard to navigate space. How does that all work?
1: Yeah, it's been a very quick and intense learning process for me. You know, my background has been really focused on this intersection of all forms of digital video with linear TV and streaming and how that's being fused with data and measurement. And now there's a whole other sort of subcategory that needs a lot more various types of technology and attention. So for example, each type of sport that you see on television has so many different things happening, right? Obviously we are all used uh, very much used to that sponsor integration into everything from the pregame show to the postgame show, which we call you know shoulder programming in in the TV parlance. Shoulder programming is something that is often sponsored. You have various types of jersey patches. For example, uh, you know the patch in the NBA is very much different than what's going on in the MLB, which is very different than what the English Premier League is doing, for example. So um, all of those things we call the placements. Each sport can have up to 90 different placements. So think about the complexity of that times. You know, what's on the players, what's on the referees, what's on the arena, what's on the rink board, what's on the scoreboard, what's on the shot clock, you name it, those are placements and they all have specific names. So in any given week uh, where we're recording and analyzing uh, various games, we are running our computer vision analysis to actually sort of take the recording of the game and frame by frame understand where the logo placements are. And then we train our machines to continuously detect the name of uh, the company behind the logo. But you also then have to understand what that placement is because that all ends up being into the calculation of what the sponsor media value is for each placement. We then run an additional analysis that shows um, the difference between, because any one frame could have six different logos in it, but one is more prominent. Maybe one is animated and the others are blurry. So the one that's more prominent gets more credit in that frame. And so that's how we create that analysis for the broadcast or the stream. And then we run that again across all of social media. So whether it's TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram, you name it. We are also looking for clips of that game that would have video and then those logos again in there. But you also have different promotions where teams are specifically sharing videos that are more prominent for some sponsors than others. All of that has to be basically analyzed and put into a methodology. And then out comes some metrics, which actually show the value that those placements have
0: fascinating stuff. And yeah, so much to measure. I mean, I noticed that, you know, when I watch uh, NHL, for example, you know, the the advertisers along the sideboards there are completely different when you're watching a televised games versus, you know, when you're actually there in person, which I just find, you know, amazing.
1: I mean, that's, oh, that's, that's yeah, that's called the digital dasher board. The DED strategy within the NHL has been a really big and important step in sports because it allows the you know, home and away team and the NHL. There could be a home broadcast and an away broadcast, right? Depending on if they're on regional sports networks. So it's creating more inventory, right, is what it does. Um, And all of that inventory sort of has to be measured in a rational way. So it really does create some new strategic opportunity for teams, the league, and more sponsors. And then, of course, you still have those who are in the arena um, that have a much more permanent type of, um, you know, uh, sponsorship representation there. And uh, in, in Europe, you know, we're learning about, you know, some of the most popular leagues. I mean, it's, it's crazy because in the US, we don't understand it. But for example, you know, Real Madrid from La Liga in Spain actually distributes its broadcast in 90 countries. That's how popular wow. that team is. And over time, each of those 90 countries in that broadcast could have sponsorship from the country that it's going to, from Brazil to Indonesia. I mean, these are global brands. Um, And all that opportunity is still coming as the technology in terms of overlaying these new types of sponsorship logos in a broadcast, in a different language, in a specific country, could be replicated 89 times. Think of that in terms of scale. That also all has to be measured right at some point. So there's a ton of risk.
0: Super interesting. So how, I mean, it feels like all of this evolved so seamlessly, you know, like, you know, every year there's a little bit of something new. Maybe you didn't notice it right away, but you noticed it, you know, the the more games you watched, how has all of this evolved with digital capability over the past few years?
1: And what has that been like? I just think the technology behind this has actually been around for a while, Hmm. but it's just gotten more seamless where, you know, these things that maybe started as like the overlay of the first down marker, right? Because obviously when we're watching, we all know where the yellow line is. It's obviously not there in the stadium, right? Because it's moving depending on where the ball is placed at all times. Um, That has obviously now become much more sophisticated. Also, digital broadcast technology and streaming technology is allowing for a lot more things to happen um, that could be interactive. Um, So things like sponsorship, Are obviously going to be a play there. You'll see more and more things around live betting and gaming that are like super interactive. Um, You know, these are lots of companies who are are just really innovating quickly, and the adoption, you know, by the big media companies and the leagues is also moving quickly, right? Because I think everybody um, wants to continuously innovate, but also the pressure to monetize is clearly there, right? I mean, the value of these sports rights have never been higher, right? We all see how much the top athletes get paid in each sport. Um, obviously, you're gonna have to keep innovating to keep up with monetization, uh, you know, and for us, that's great, right? Because the more things that need to be monetized means the more things that need to be measured by a third party.
0: Before we start looking a little bit forward in in sports sponsorship, let's take a little bit of a look back if, if you don't mind. Being CEO of a a company like this has got to have a lot of challenges. Where did you get your expertise on your way to to being CEO at Rello?
1: Yeah, I think my path was much more, uh, I think, around the fact that when it comes to measurement and how measurement was being modernized and uh, innovated on in television and digital video, Uh, I think was my predominant, maybe qualifying factors. I've definitely worked with sports teams and leagues as customers over the years, but I haven't really been a deep dive like this. Um, I do have a long history of working with brands in around data and measurement, identity, those types of things. Um, So yeah, for me, it's kind of putting together some of those underpinnings of my career with a very quick study in the specifics of sponsorship And also just, it's a whole new ecosystem, you know, um, all the conferences that I normally used to go to are going to be different now. (laughs) Um, I I won't be just going to the normal sort of advertising calendar anymore, because I have to go to some very specific sports technology ones, or, you know, we're going to have a presence at Super Bowl brand week this year, you know, in Arizona. So um, that's also exciting, but it's also a ton new that needs to be figured out. But um, it's a great new challenge. And I also get to meet um, a lot of new people. I get to meet all the people driving analytics and all these really smart teams and leagues that I might not have been able to get to know before.
0: It feels like you got to be doing a lot of sort of, you know, sideline research and stuff like that, too. I mean, is there, there perks in being able to go to games and things like that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, we have a hundred something teams as clients. So, I mean, I think if you want to go to a game and they'll, they'll, they'll help take care of you. It's just matter of uh, being in the right place at the right time. Uh, You know, we had our holiday dinner and get together for our East coast team. I did it in New York and we went to a devil's Rangers game at MSG, um, which was like an overtime shootout. It was fantastic. Um, And for us, like, hey, how else should we spend time together as a team? Well, we may as well have dinner. And then instead of like going out somewhere and just, you know, drinking, let's go to a high octane sports game right around the corner.
0: (laughs) Excellent. I love that. Um, So looking down the road, where do you see all this going in the next few years? I mean, let's let's actually start with one year and then maybe five years.
1: Yeah, I think in the next one to two years, um, there won't be many. Uh, brands or rights holders that are doing business like this without having some access to data. Um, So for example, we have benchmarking data. So for the last couple of years at the placement level, we can tell you the value increase or decrease in certain placements, which is very important if you're selling it or you're buying it, right? So just like planning in media is critical. Like you don't buy media without having some kind of planning or data-driven approach That's really now what's taking over uh, all sports sponsorship. I think the five-year clip will mean that there's actual tradable currencies in sports where the numbers have enough credence and perhaps the same level of scrutiny in terms of methodology and certifications that you could also roll these kinds of things out in sports and perhaps some of them could be global. Um, The other big trend is that you see Ownership is not just somebody who owns like a team in Boston anymore, right? They own professional football teams in Europe. Those professional football teams have ownership and other teams in Asia, which are basically talent feeders. So now you have organizations that are owning sports franchises that are multi-sport and multi-continent. They are going to continue to create more infrastructure on software and data. Because in essence now, these aren't just a team who's owned by a family or something like that. You just have this new bigger trend of these larger global organizations. And just like any large global organization, they're going to be investing in software and data and getting themselves prepared for the next 10 years. So think of all of the player uh, analytics, fan engagement data, Uh, We all have seen the rise and how wonderful Fanatics is doing and they just raised, you know, a ton of money at a huge valuation. Um, And so you have that, you have sports betting, you have sports betting that's going to be live betting and interactive on your screen. Um, These are all data-driven applications in essence. And so how does all this come together, become interoperable, working seamlessly across platforms, um, or there will be even more convergence in and around all these trends. But one thing is clear, there's just, a lot happening at once. Um, and it's happening at the time where, yes, sports have probably never been more popular as, as sort of you can see it with the level of uh, engagement that they're getting in viewing and social media. Also, how much is being paid for these rights? How much is being innovated on in terms of cool new ways where all these games are gonna be available, You know, whether it's through Amazon Prime or Apple TV, um, Sky in the UK, they're all innovating so rapidly And let's face it sports is the last thing that people make an appointment to watch it's the last thing people really watch together otherwise everyone is off on their own time-shifted on-demand world across all the crazy amounts of apps that we have access to but very few people in the same family are watching the same show right people are watching different things but sports they will watch together and from a cultural standpoint it's also one of the last things that's uniting everybody in sport even if it's your competitive team that you don't like You're all still doing it, and I think that's really another reason why coming out of the pandemic, people missed sports, people missed going to games, people missed watching those games together, and we're kind of in a golden age from that.
0: Yeah, there was nothing worse than, than watching, you know, a Premier League soccer match with nobody in the stands and dead silence. That was that was a terrible experience.
1: Crowd noise and all that with cardboard yeah. cutouts. I mean, they did their best, but um, yeah, it's it back. The World Cup was just simply astounding. I mean, you know, and the quality of the games there, um, especially the final. Right. will go down in history. Uh, And it already seems like a long time ago, even though it wasn't. And now everyone is, you know, on the precipice of a Super Bowl. You know, the the European football teams that all had to put their seasons on pause because of the World Cup. They're now back in full swing. So you're going to have your, you know, English Premier League championships. You're going to have your UEFA Champions League coming. And it's going to be all of that hype all over again just in the next couple months.
0: Last question then, and it's related to what you just brought up. Any Super Bowl predictions?
1: No, I I can't make those because so many of the teams in the playoffs are our customers. So um, I think that we're bound to have another game where you've probably got your next generation star quarterbacks uh, driving those teams. That seems to be um, what is the edge factor right now is a lot of the teams have them, but which one plays their best game in that playoff game? And that's really the difference. It's like we saw last year, right? It's like one play or who has the ball last? Yeah. It's pretty insane. But uh, I think there's going to be some great games here coming down the stretch.
0: Absolutely. Well, Jay, thanks so much for taking the time to be on today. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
1: Yes. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun.
0: Thanks for listening. For more content like this from Advertising Week's growing roster of B2B podcasts, visit www.advertisingweek.com slash podcasts.